Jesus is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's near the town of Capernaum. A vast majority of Jesus' time was spent in the region called Galilee. Much of it was in this fishing village of Capernaum, which was the home of James, John, Peter, and Andrew. They both had fishing, rival fishing businesses that fished the Sea of Galilee. At the brink of the hill above Capernaum and overlooking the sea, you can visit the shrine of the Beatitudes, those sayings that Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount with in Matthew 5 through 7. Things like, Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the merciful, they will obtain mercy. Today, to the side of this shrine of the Beatitudes, you can see a spot that looks like this. It's the natural amphitheater from the hillside down to the water's edge. This is believed to be the place where Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching the crowd of followers there. And among the things he's teaching them is how to pray. His teaching tool on prayer, we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer, or also known as the Our Father. My goal in this preaching series is to help us understand that Jesus wasn't teaching the people a prayer. He was teaching them how to pray. And he created in this particular prayer as a tool, a structure for a life of prayer. Let's briefly review how it includes our relationship with God and how we address him, our recognition of what God's desires are, and our recognition of our own need before him. We begin by addressing God, our Father in heaven. He begins with us, the relationship that we can have, parent and child. But God is also in heaven, and he is very different from us. He is holy. We are not. He is pure. At best, we have mixed motives. He is very different. His ways are not our ways. Our ways are certainly not his ways. And yet, he loves us and wants us to refer to him as who he really is, our Father. He continues to pray, and this time about recognizing what God wants. God wants his name to be hallowed. Consider how unhallowed God's name is. How often do you hear this? Oh, God. It wasn't the word so much because we also sing, oh, God, on Sunday mornings. But, oh, God. That's not a hallowing of his name. That's a reaction to something we don't really like. Or one that cringes me just a bit. Jesus Christ. How often we hear that. Who says Buddha? Or if they're really mad, Muhammad. Why does it happen like this? Because the evil one knows who the real one is and uses the defaming and demeaning of the real one's name in our world. 
So his name is so often not hallowed. And it could get worse, but I'm not going any further. But you all know how bad it can get. God wants to be recognized as a holy God. Especially wants to be hallowed by us. We who know God as Father, who have surrendered our lives to Jesus as the Savior and our Redeemer and Rescuer, and we call Him Lord for us. Jesus continues to go on in this prayer about what God wants by praying, His kingdom come. Jesus is about to begin His work as God's Son, and John the Baptist has been put in prison. In the Gospel of Mark we read, The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news, Mark 1.15. He's referring to himself. The kingdom of God is embodied in the person of Jesus, who is the Christ, the Messiah. Just as he is the way and the truth and the life, Jesus is the kingdom of God, a life fully engaged and invested in the ways of God his Father. God wants us to repent and receive his kingdom, that is to receive his son Jesus in our lives. It's mystical. There's mystery to it, but there's a reality as well. God wants his kingdom, his Jesus, to be in us. He continues to pray about what God wants by saying, His will be done. As Jesus was fully engaged and invested in God's ways, so God wants us to be invested in Jesus and by Him in us the ways of God. God wants His will done by us. What are the ways of God? What is the will of God? They're the ways of love the ways of integrity, the ways of faithfulness, the way of forgiveness. In other words, the way of being like Jesus. We are created in God's image and we are redeemed to become like the one who redeemed us, Jesus the Christ. If we live this way, we model for people God's way in our world. We display a taste of heaven on earth. It's like we're little tapases morsels of what God desires to take place in the whole world. And together, this tapas becomes a buffet, a marvelous buffet of God's making as he transforms life after life and the I that our world pushes becomes the we that God wants in our world. Having declared what God wants, Jesus continues using his tool in this prayer, by acknowledging what we need. And he began with today. Today and every day that we call today, we need our daily bread. The daily bread that is food to nourish our lives and strengthen our bodies, but also the daily bread known as the bread of life. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the scriptures that are food to nourish and strengthen both our mind and our spirit with God's truth, God's grace, and God's ways. We need our daily bread in all of its form. That's where we ended last Sunday. 
as we dive into the new line, the new part of this tool we call the Lord's Prayer, join me in praying the portion of the prayer that we have thus been responding to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Amen. Jesus here continues to pray about acknowledging what we need, but this time Jesus isn't focusing on today. Instead, he turns and looks at yesterday, the stuff we've done, the stuff we've said, the stuff we could have done, the stuff we could have said, Forgive us our debts, or forgive us our trespasses, or forgive us our sins. I liked it when I was a child because we did the debts one. And at the age of 16, I had just purchased my first car, a used 53 Ford, named the White Knight. Those were the days when you named your cars and you painted it on the back bumper. I had the white knight. I bought a bunch of cheap chess sets and put white knights on the knobs on the dash. I was a piece of work. My parents just kind of looked at me and went, oh, man, and then sent me off to drive away somewhere else. I owed some money on the car. You know how that goes, don't you? So I love that part of the prayer. Forgive us our debts. I was thinking of my car loan would be a good thing to forgive. That's the problem with debts. Debts does talk about it financially. Now, we can understand there's more meaning to it than that. But then I heard my Catholic friends always using the word trespasses. I didn't understand that till I recognized that there were times I had crossed some boundaries myself. Oh, yeah, there were times. So it began to make more sense to me in a larger scheme. And then when I was in college... Somehow the Lord's Prayer became, forgive us our sins. Oh my, they're really getting close now. As we forgive those who sin against us. And talking about behaviors and attitudes and words in a larger sense. All three of those combined create the real meaning of what's being said at this part of this prayer tool that Jesus is using. And first of all, I would guess now that when any of us are in a new church experience and the Lord's Prayer is being prayed, we all wonder, okay, what word are they going to use? Are they going to say debts? Are they going to say trespasses? What are they going to do here? And we kind of, and forgive us, and then we catch it and we begin to pray some more. And it can become a distraction to the real depth of what was being prayed in this prayer model that Jesus gives us. And second, I would guess that there are times for each of us. I know, and I'm not trying to project this on you. You probably all do it better than me. But there are times that we just say the Lord's Prayer and don't think through its meaning. It's just, it flows because we know it. We've said it. We don't even have to see it on the screen. That's done for people who don't know it yet. That's why that's there. But we just say it, and how incredible it is that God gives us such profound forgiveness among many other things in this prayer. This line in the Lord's Prayer that we're looking at today is all about being forgiven. I look back into my yesterdays, 
the past of my life. I need forgiveness. I've failed. I know some of you really well. You failed because we've talked about it together. Some of you I don't know. You've failed. You're human. It's part of our condition. Even though we love Jesus, even though we love what he's done for us, even though we may love the scripture and love the church, there are times it just comes out of us. Why did I say that? What was I thinking when I acted that way? And yet in this prayer, there's something profound about being forgiven. Not having it held against us. Not kept in a ledger to be reminded of. We can do that ourselves well enough, even though we're told to let it go. Many of us keep our own ledger, or worse yet, we keep a ledger on somebody else. Forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins. Then I looked more closely at the text and I noticed again Jesus' unique but consistent use of pronouns. He doesn't say, forgive me my debts, forgive me my trespasses, forgive me my sins. Instead, he says, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins. What does this mean? You know, the church hadn't been established at the time of this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. The word church had yet to be spoken. Church is still a concept, a reality yet to come. But these plural pronouns anticipate the church, the body of Christ. Listen. I mean, really listen to this. I am not the body of Christ. My friend Greg right here is not the body of Christ. None of us individually is the body of Christ. In a body there are many parts. The best we can hope to be is a part of the body. We can be used by God in any numbers of functions. Those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the I is not I, I, meaning pronoun I, not I, I. Pronoun I is not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Is it any wonder then that he asks us to say, forgive us, 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 our sins, our trespasses, our debts. We're to be including the body, the whole body. Why is this, do you think? I think it's this. If one part of the body is impacted for good or for ill, the entire body is impacted. If I become an infected person in the body, My infection has a chance to infect 
the entire body. Not the worldwide body, not the universal body. But if I act out in an infectious way in this church, this part of the body of Christ, it could infect and affect and negatively count for naught. The witness of Jesus the Christ whose body it is for good. By the same token, if I am following Christ, living for him in all of his fullness, it has a chance to also, in a positive way, infect the body for good. But it's still us. It's not me. It's never going to be me. It couldn't be me. I need you in my life to be whole in Christ. You need me in your life to be whole in Christ. We need each other. That's why Jesus uses these plural pronouns all the time. My sin will adversely impact other parts of Christ's body. My sin will diminish the witness of Jesus Christ whose body is the church when we become proclaiming of things that are outside of the teachings of Jesus Christ in our world, when a pastor speaks out about things that are not the teachings of God in the Scripture, it infects the witness of the body for ill. That doesn't mean we can't speak on moral issues in our society. We must. But when we take on political tones and push one political agenda versus another political agenda, all of a sudden Jesus becomes a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or a Liberal or whatever is being espoused. We must teach the Word of Christ. As a body, all of us, if you go off as a member of Bethany Covenant Church and do those kinds of things, your political agenda, remember who you represent. Do you represent what? Is it Jesus Or is it something else? doesn't mean you can't have an opinion. But we need to be clear. We need to be clear. It's Jesus we represent. And we can affect for good or for ill his work through the body of Christ we call Bethany Covenant Church. Listen again to what Jesus says. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Does that mean that God withholds forgiving us if we do not forgive? That's a possible interpretation. And it's something God could choose to do. Remember, God is God. Is there anything God can't do? I remember my first month here, I was asked to come down to, uh, I forget which class, one of the youth classes, Allie, that you had going on. And it was Stump the Pastor Sunday. They love doing that, and they're so good at it. And the first question I was asked, can God make a rock so big that he can't pick it up? My response was, why would he even want to do that? (laughs) Sometimes we need to think about the questions we're asking and how valid and helpful they might be. But God can make a rock so big that we can't pick it up, And any being in the universe couldn't pick it up except for him. But I can't find in Scripture a clear answer to that question. 
So I'm leaving you to ponder that and how much that's worth getting an answer to. But it's an interesting question, nevertheless. Jesus forgave. The body of him, the body of Christ, should be no different than this. And the body of Christ is us. So how is this applied? Are you loved? Yes, of course you are. Jesus proved it. We are his body. Are you forgiven? Yes, you are. Jesus showed it. Even on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How many times has that been true in my life? Perhaps also in yours. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We're set free. Jesus paid the debt he did not owe because we owed the debt he could not pay. I'll say that again. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt he could not pay. In his book, Experiencing the Passion of Jesus, Lee Strobel writes about an acquaintance in his church who called him with an embarrassing request. The acquaintance told him that his eight-year-old girl had been caught shoplifting from their church bookstore. He asked if Lee would represent the church so she could come and apologize. He wanted to use this incident as a teaching moment, and Lee agreed, but he had a much bigger lesson in mind. The next day, the parents and their eight-year-old daughter came to Lee's office, and they sat down, and Lee, in as gentle a voice as he could muster, said, Tell me what happened. She began to sniffle. This was terrifying. Well, I saw a book and I really wanted it, but I didn't have any money. Tears began to form in her eyes, he writes. Lee handed her a tissue and she continued, So I, so I put the book under my coat and I took it. I, I knew it was wrong. I knew I shouldn't do it. But I did. I'm sorry. I will never do it again, honestly. I will never do it again. Lee looked at her intently and said, I'm so glad you're willing to admit what you did and to say you're sorry. That's very brave. It's the right thing to do. What do you think an appropriate punishment would be for something like this? She shrugged. What do you say as an eight-year-old to adult with a question like that? He said, I understand the book cost $5. I think if it would be fair for you to pay the bookstore $5 plus perhaps three times that amount, which would make the total $20, do you think that would be fair? What choice did she have? Yes. But now there was fear in her eyes. $20 for an eight-year-old. Where would she ever come up with that amount of cash? Then Lee opened the drawer of his desk 
He removed his checkbook. He wrote out a check on his personal account for the full amount of $20. Her mouth dropped. I am going to pay your penalty so you don't have to, he said. You know why I do that? She shook her head. Because I love you, he said. Because I care about you, because you are valuable to me. And please remember, this is how Jesus feels about you too, except even more. At that moment, she reached out, accepted the gift, and Lee writes, I wish I could find the words to describe the look of absolute relief and joy and wonder that blossomed on her face. She was giddy with gratitude. This is what Jesus does on a much grander scale than a book being shoplifted from a church bookstore. This is what he's done for every single one of us, every single person on the face of the earth, from the beginning of creation to the end of it. When you think about your past failures and sins, don't try to deal with them on your own. They affect all of us, so let us all pray for each other for forgiveness by God. Reach out and accept Jesus' gift of forgiveness for you, for us. And then forgive others the same way he forgave you. How are you at forgiving others? Can you release them from their debts to you? Really? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Some people say, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. Is that how you want God to forgive you? This is hard. And I'm not saying, if you've been the object of major abuse of any kind, neglect, those kinds of things... You're not called to become friends with those people, that person again. You're not called to become their next vacation traveling partner. Not at all. But if we hold on, what are we doing with what Jesus is teaching? If we hold grudges, if we hold vengeance on our side, if we can justify our bad words about them, our use of social media to put them down, our use of social media to make people look bad because of what we think and believe they have said or done, That is a violation of the teaching of Jesus the Christ. And he has laid it out very clearly for us. Forgive us our debts, yes, our sins, yes, our trespasses, yes. As we forgive those who sin are indebted or trespass against us. It's a hard teaching. It's not complicated, but it's hard. But it's there. We can't do a Thomas Jefferson on it and cut out a section of the Bible we don't like. When you choose not to forgive those who have done things to you, then you really don't want to pray this prayer. And you're really saying to Jesus, I have a better idea than you do about forgiveness. You see, true forgiveness involves erasing the record of past wrongs, 
deleting the hateful emails and texts, choosing to forget the wrong others have done to you. I was privileged to spend some time with Luis Palau when he was in Connecticut several years ago, even more time with his sister who stayed at our house for a few days. It was wonderful to be with the Palau family. And evangelist Luis Palau tells the following story on forgiving and forgetting. Clara Barton was the founder of the American Red Cross, was reminded one day of a vicious deed that someone had done to her years before, but she acted as if she had never heard of the incident. Don't you remember it, her friend said? Listen to Clara's response. No, I distinctly remember forgetting it. That's our job. We need each other to do that, don't we? To forget these things, to stop holding them over others. Because if we're going to pray the the Lord's Prayer, which we pray here virtually every Sunday, this is what Jesus teaches us in the prayer. And this is how God promises to forgive us. He said, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Jeremiah 31, 34. The writing of God the Father himself through the prophet Jeremiah. If that's what you want for yourself, then be willing to forgive others the same way. That's the essence of this part of the Lord's Prayer. That is God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven, which is an earlier part we've already unwrapped. That is the call God gives to his people to forgive. May we do it. May we really do it, each of us individually and all of us together, so that we can live in what God calls us to, his kingdom coming, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray with me what we have thus far discovered in the Lord's Prayer. It's on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Amen.